Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by David Walker of the Daily Mirror and Tom Hopkinson of The People. It's another European week for Arsenal and Spurs but both are looking closer to home at the North London derby. Spurs are unbeaten in the Premier League, just. Arsenal are flying. It's a big call, but is this the season the balance of power in North London shifts? I think it can be, Mike, but I think the biggest single fact is, isn't it brilliant that we've got a North London derby where genuinely both teams are title contenders? Until last year, you'd always thought there'd be one or the other that was the, the sort of senior partner in that. And you look at it now, my only concern from the Tottenham point of view is have they mentally got over the scars of last season's collapse and also dealt with what went wrong? They appeared to hit a wall with the fitness. There are claims from some people that Pochettino overtrained them at the end and that they left the legs on the training ground. And you've got an Arsenal team that, for all we've poked fun at them in the uh, last few years about the inability to win trophies, I've got to say I'm very impressed with what he's put together this season. I, you know, I think they are a really decent bet for the title. A lot of people impressed by Pochettino, including Real Madrid, if we're to believe what we read, which we always do, of course. <laughs> um, you know, Arsenal have had to put up with that over the years. Arsene Wenger for for whoever and wherever. Will that be a distraction for Spurs? It shouldn't be. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You know, you want a manager to be successful. And, of course, if he is successful, then he's going to be linked with other jobs. I mean, uh, this isn't the first time that we've heard that uh, either Real Madrid or Barcelona, like Maurizio Pochettino, and, of course, last year, Manchester United definitely had a sniff around him before they made the decision to go with Jose Mourinho. So, you know, he is the sort of manager who, who will attract interest from other clubs. I mean, he's a very impressive character when we go and spend a little bit of time with him at Spurs training grounds quite often and go and see him before a Friday game and he's 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 not just in your own dealings with him but you speak to people around the club and and they all love working for him he's got this he's got this way about him that everybody buys into it's a very friendly way very tactile yeah. and what, everyone what really seems to buy you into about him uh, it's I'm going to use the phrase man management um, because effectively managers do manage the press. The, the, the best managers manage the press as well. And, and you can see the, the way he treats us, completely respectful, um, never ducks a question. And as I say, just very tactile with you, always looks pleased to see you. But, you know, I was reading stories at the weekend about Jose Mourinho and how he doesn't know everybody's name around the training ground yet, which was always one of the great things that Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. And it was always, you know, everyone was very happy to work for Manchester United. And, 
and Pochettino has that going on around Tottenham's training ground as well. I mean, I think you only have to look at his squad as well and listen to the way the young lads, the Allies of the world, the Eric Dyers, uh, and even the Ericsons, the way they talk about him, they've all bought into these, all sort of said, look, I'm going to go over and I'll fight for you. You lot buy into it and we'll get results. And they showed last yeah. season that, that he, he backed up exactly what yeah. he told you, you, you saw the class of 92 come through at United, Absolutely. didn't you, David, at first yeah. hand. There are similarities of getting young players together with a common cause. Absolutely right. And he's very capable. I, I, I must say this, in backing up uh, Tom on this, I was speaking to two or three people in the senior part of the LMA, two ex-managers and people running the organisation. And I just lobbed in a very neutral question but well who are the great coaches around the Premier League who are the ones that you know are out on the and two names were lobbed straight back at me about two outstanding coaches who are actually doing the work which we've seen in England over the last two or three years Pochettino and Ronald Koeman were the out on the training ground with their players, not thinking they were going to have another 50 million, 100 million to spend, they could work with them. And obviously now we've now got the Klopp and Guardiola pairing to see what they can do as well. So I think that is important. The other side of it is, you're spot on, Mike, if you can keep that group together, and that arguably is the biggest challenge for Tottenham with the manager because too often in the past Tottenham have said people aren't for sale like Gareth Bell. And you know what's going to happen in the end. Now, I hope for Tottenham's sake and the fans who show so much commitment to that club, they don't end up with the pain of losing be it their manager or some of their star players. Because you're right, they are on the cusp of something great. What I always find interesting with, with managers, when you look at the, the greeting that they give each other before a game and, and listen to them talk about each other, you've never heard anyone say anything other than warmly or speak anything other than warmly about Pochettino. I certainly haven't. And, and also the, the greeting is always very warm between, you know, from all the different managers, whether it's Guardiola, Koeman, uh, Pulis, they all seem respect, to have respect because they get respect from him. I think that's, I think that's probably the key, actually, that he, he, gives, he gives respect to get I do it. remember speaking to one or two players who played against him when he was an Argentinian <laughs> defender who didn't speak too no, kindly about Funnily enough, yeah. we actually, a couple of weeks ago, we were up at the training ground and one of the lads had got a video of him. So, I mean, I can only describe it. It was almost an assault on Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. and, and they showed him the video and he sort of chuckled about it in front of everyone. And then Turvers went upstairs with him to do the Sunday briefing just in a, a little private area and he didn't realise that one of us spoke Spanish not me as the, the other lad I was with spoke Spanish and of course he's still talking to Jesus Perez his right hand yeah. man in Spanish saying how proud he was of that challenge <laughs> and of course Miguel was sitting there saying Miguel Delaney comes on here he's sitting there yeah. laughing saying didn't realise I spoke Spanish he's still raving about that <laughs> yeah. challenge now, but yeah he was, he's a brutal defender. His immediate challenge is to see can he get uh, Harry Kane back mm. as soon as possible well his, his medical staff's challenge they need him back probably for that London derby, don't they? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, in the scope of the season and how Tottenham are doing, I wouldn't be rushing him back with the risk of him having any longer left. And as you know, Mike, often when a player's been out as long as Harry Kane has, you can start getting muscle injuries and soft tissue injuries because of him regaining fitness. So I think I'd really be wary of chasing Harry Kane when there's not a panic situation about we've got to get him back. I still think, for me... Even with Harry Kane back around, I'm slightly troubled by how many of the alternative striking options Tottenham have got for the sense of over a full season and the tournaments are going out. That might be one of the things that I'd be concerned about. But 
a lot of the other areas, the goalkeeper, the centre-backs, the midfield holding man when Dar goes back in there, they've got a lot of strength in that team and they've put it together well. And as you touched on earlier, the big thing is the players believe in Pochettino and the system that he's presented them with. If I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be really excited about the fact that Spurs are so desperate to get Harry Kane back because that just shows that you know their talisman is coming back. Could, could well be his first game. He's not going to start in the Champions League, maybe on the bench, may mm. not. But if he's coming back from his first game, you're relying on someone who's been out for a couple of months to be your star man. It's That's not a good thing. Whereas you look at Sanchez, confidence bursting through his veins. Mm. Olivier Giroud on the back of the goals that he scored at the weekend. For me, one of the most undervalued players in the Premier League. Um, you know, Arsenal are playing with a conviction and a confidence at the moment that I, I would be, as a, in going into that uh, the white hot heat of that derby, I would be absolutely delighted if I was an Arsenal fan at the moment. What about that sort of conundrum of, if you're going to play one up with Arsenal, you either play to a Giroud style mm. or you play to a Sanchez style. Now, Sanchez... Eight goals in his last ten starts. Giroud, as you said, Tom, basically turned up at Sunderland, scored a couple of goals and said, thank you very much, good night. What is the best option for Arsenal? I think Sanchez is the best option. But if that option, or for some reason it could be Sanchez off-colour, or the defenders, particularly one particular type of defender, if there's somebody dealing with him, Giroud is a great alternative to throw, even if you then move Sanchez wide. Mm. You know, play him off there. I think you've got it. I think Giroud is a fantastic alternative to have, even if you're not starting games with him. But I maintain, and I promise you, this is a real basic fact, and I'll stand by if you look through the history of modern football, the best teams in pursuing multiple honours in a season, if we are going to say you're doing Champions League, you're going for the Premier League title, the best ones at that and the serial winners have four strikers that they can rotate or four attacking players because some of them, you know, you may be playing with wingers in this if you're playing a front three. You have to have that. If you don't, you'll get found out. Mm. What about Arsenal in terms of, you know, we talked about Tottenham's depth. Do they miss Cazorla? Obviously, yeah, mm. they do. But for the first time in a long time, they've got that depth that backs up. I mean, you know, we see Aaron Ramsey coming back from uh, mm. from injury, uh, edging his way back into the team. I mean, if you're going to leave out Cazorla and you're going to replace him, for instance, with a Ramsey and, and you've got Coquelin in that midfield, I mean, that, that is arguably a, a defensive midfield too that would get into just about any other team in the Premier League, probably two, two midfields aside, mm. you know. Um, so I, I think, and, and Granit Xhaka as well, you know, another, mm. another alternative to have in, in that, that midfield and El Elneny as well. I mean, you know, the mm. names are tripping off the tongue. Look, this is a team who, at the moment, can afford to send Jack Wilshire out on a season-long loan. And you, we were looking at Wilshire at the start of the season saying this lad's not going to get anywhere near the starting eleven mm. at the moment. So I, I just don't think you can question and, Arsenal's strength. And the Aaron depth. Ramsey thing's quite an interesting one for me. I think there's a lot of... I mean, talking top Premier League teams watching what happens with him mm. because... He was so brilliant at the Euros. You know, he had a tremendous tournament. Then you've seen this with injuries and this situation where he said, I want to play in a central role and he can't get in there all the time and he ends up on the bench then getting games. I think it's a, a season that's a bit make or break for him mm. at Arsenal. Mm. And then the old vultures will sort of say, hey, you can he'd come be, here and he'd play. Be, he'd be a player for Man United or even Man City. 
he would be a player for... And the Barcelona link refuses to go away, doesn't yeah. it? You know, I mean, they've, they've, they have watched him, they have scouted him uh, at length. I'm not saying he's, he's, you know, close to anything coming from it, but they have, yeah. they've certainly monitored we, his I, development. I had the pleasure of doing a column with Ronald Koeman during the Euros, and Ronald Koeman made the point, and said about more people who admire him, he just said, surely... Aaron Ramsey's answered the debate now, proven the debate about can he play as a central midfielder. We can see he can against some great players, you know, and particularly in the Belgian game. He's magnificent. And yet, going back to Arsenal, that's not working for him. So, you know, I don't want to push him through the door and say, oh, you've got to do this. But you can just see how this is a massive season, both for Aaron Ramsey and for Arsenal. Mm. And they've talked about the midfield. It's not just there. As you look at Gibbs and Monreal, even yeah. at, at left-back, they look blessed now in the new central defender, Skodran Mustafi, yeah. has come in and, and looks... Again, He's got a bit of character about Yeah, him, he really it? has a lot of that. It's, it's that sort of that German mentality that Mertesacker brought with it, but he's got that extra speed that Mertesacker yeah. lacked. I mean, I've loved dealing with Mertesacker, you know, and, and to have him as, as someone who will come in, you know, as, as a squad man now, it, again, it's just this depth that Arsenal, as far as Spurs went looked like they were going to move ahead of them last year. The question you asked, David, at the top of the show, is this the year that the balance changes? I think it started to, but I actually think it's come back the other way towards Arsenal again. I, and I, having written Arsenal off, I have to say, in my pre-season predictions, I didn't see them in the top four. Having written them off, I'm, I'm quite happy to put my hands up and say I, I was wrong. Anything that they can learn, or Arsene Wenger can learn, <coughs> from the way that, that Leicester you know, got a point off uh, Tottenham at White Hart Lane? Yes, he can learn things, but I think the biggest thing with Arsenal is I don't think the way Arsenal play and want to keep the ball, you can follow the way that Leicester play mm. and almost accept that the opposition, in that case Tottenham, have got the ball and they're just playing on the break. So there are things you can do in terms of with a Sanchez, you can release him. And you know, they were brilliant at Sunderland with the way they carved a very mediocre at team. Sunderland. Well, <laughs> at Sunderland. But they do it. Arsenal can play on the break. I think Wenger and the way his team play the way they kill the opposition is to control possession more. So I'm not sure the Leicester thing's there. Mm. But I've got to say, Mike, we have sat here over the years concerned about when will Wenger realise he needed to sort out his goalie, get some more pace at the back, which Mustafi's done with a bit of grit in there. And a lot of the things that we have pointed out were flaws he appears to have addressed for this season. He's obviously I, been listening. Well, no, I've got to say, I went pre-season. I, I came in here and Arsenal were my tip for the title from being runners-up last year. If you look, the stability they've got, and he's improved it again, that's why I stand mm. by it. Arsenal should win it. Well, what about Leicester? Looking at Europe, you know, they could clinch qualification in Copenhagen. Do you expect them to do so? Yeah, you would imagine so. I mean, they've really... And I think Ranieri's been absolutely bang on to have done this. They've really put their eggs into the Champions League basket. They know they're not going to win the Premier League again this year. So, you know, let's go on this Champions League tour that they're singing about all the time and let's really get stuck in. But the great thing for them is, if they do get the points this week that sees them through, they have now got three or four months where they can just concentrate solely on the Premier League. So... They can get that. I mean, I always thought they'd finish around seventh or eighth in the Premier League this season anyway. But it gives them a real chance to, you know, get everyone fit and not be resting Mares, not be resting Vardy before Champions League games. They can give them their head in the Premier League and say, right, go and do it. And if they get three or four months of getting the confidence back in the Premier League, which has just seemed to be coming back into their game, actually, I thought it was interesting hearing Ranieri say at the weekend that we've got that spirit again, that togetherness mm. that we had last season that we perhaps lacked a little bit at the start of this season. If they can get the confidence back fully up and running in the Premier League, then come next February when you know qualification, that's assured, but the knockout stages then come of the Champions League. 
if they go into those games, boy, then Leicester City over 90 minutes, over 180 minutes will be a, a match for just but, about any but, club Tom, in that, that they've uh, competition. They've got to get that hunger and commitment they had like because the collective view in football is a lot of there, including Starman, have been that 10% off mm. in Premier League games. It's interesting that Moose yeah. has come in and made a big impact Absolutely over the last right. couple of games. Yeah, and if they get it back and they're at it, but there has been a, appeared to be a slight dip, which would explain. Well, and I accept Champions League, you crank it up and here we go, and it is wonderful. My big worry for Leicester was, and I don't think they'll win the Champions League, is when that adventure's over, where are they in the Premier League? Yeah, that's why yeah. they need to but know that's that why the next, stop the next, silly the next three or four months will be crucial to yeah, that, won't they? Yeah. But our colleague Andy Dunn wrote this a few weeks ago. I know he was saying that two pre-seasons ago, Leicester, you know, they are playing the likes of Burton Albion, they are playing local size, and, and they went into the season having won every pre-season game. Confidence was high, they went in, they, they won, and they got the great run at the end of the season before when they escaped relegation. They then go in, they win the Premier League in the most incredible of seasons, but then all of a sudden they're playing the likes of Barcelona in pre-season friendlies. They lose those games. So all of a sudden, that little mentality, that winning breeds winning, victories breed more victories, the confidence flows, that was just taken away from them. I, th I do think that had a detrimental effect on their, their start to the season. There was always bound to be a little bit of after the Lord's Mayor show, I think, as well. It's only... You, you have Natural, to, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. You have to. And you, you can't expect them to collectively to perform at the level. But there are just signs... Mares just starting to click again, just starting to sh reproduce some of the the form that he showed last season. I think Slimani has been a good signing because uh, you know this compatriot is mate. It's going to allow him just a little bit more feel good for Mares, who must have had his head turned by some of the offers in the summer. It would only be natural for him. So you know, I, I think Ranieri will be all right. And they, uh, Mendy as well, the midfielder, they were very unfortunate to lose him through injury because he was someone that they'd identified to be the replacement for Kante, who we all know it was always going to be a big loss. So I think Leicester will be fine. and I think a Champions League win this week will really help boost their Premier League campaign. The highlight of the week is Pep against Barcelona part two. Mm. He's already said that Aguero scored 13 goals so far this season. Mm. He will play. Mm. Is that an admission of an error? Oh, totally. I mean, for a smart guy, that was... I mean, you leave out your best player. You know, I mean, whatever we think, Pep Guardiola has got an incredible reputation and, as he reminds us, has won an awful lot of trophies down the years. But I would look at things like we see, say, secure goalkeeper as a key bit of a great team. Well, if you're telling me that Claudio Brava is going to be better than Joe Hart in the long run in games where you need a goalkeeper to make saves. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm astonished by that, and I'm astonished by the fact he went without Aguero in a game because you know with the Barcelona centre-backs you will get a chance to score, so you need people who are lethal. He is the best one-touch finisher in the Premier League, probably one of the best in Europe, in the world. Put the ball in front of him, particularly on his right foot, and he'll drill it in the bottom corner. Missing, that, that missing was... PK as well, that, yeah. that'll be a big plus for Manchester City. Because it, it does seem that there is evidence of Pep's impact. So if you look at the Aguero's stats at the moment, he ran 10.2 kilometres against yeah. Albion yeah. at the weekend. Last season, his average was about 7.2. Yeah. So the message is getting home a bit, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, this all stemmed from the quotes a few weeks ago from Guardiola when he said, um, I, I can make Aguero a better player. And everyone sort of... You know, eyes in the back of their head. What you know, this this lad who already I think we're, we're all agreed that when he's fit, he's the the best striker in the Premier League. But yeah, that pep effect is clearly taking hold, and it was it was great to see that 
someone of Aguero standing in the game, you know, he would have been truly miffed to have been left out of that mm. Barcelona game. He would have been, you know, there's a little bit of wounded pride there. So he's come back and said, I'll show you. But of course, Guardiola sits there and says, well, thank you. Yeah. That's what I was hoping you'd do. But my point with Pep is this, and this is where I think it's almost like Barcelona playing Barcelona light now, mm. is a simple one. OK, you've got a sweeper-keeper who's not that clever at shots. I know he's suspended for this one, so you've got the reserve in. But your sweeper-keeper gets... You still know better than yeah, Jack Hart, by the Absolutely, way. correct. Who has been under instruction rolling balls out here and playing short to people who haven't actually got past an opposing player. They're actually... You've got 10 versus 10 out there. So he's actually under pressure straight away. Now, Barcelona, particularly with their great three in midfield, you could put a ball into them, into a Xavi or a Busquets or Iniesta, and they could rotate play and do it. Manchester City haven't got that. So he's trying to play against a team who are better. I'd actually respect Guardiola more if he came up with a completely different system that beats Barcelona this week. You know, if they played long ball or something, he said, I know. No, no, it's not going to happen. ball at City? No, 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 but if they actually release some long balls, I'm saying mm. that, the, the good passes say, we aren't going to get caught in here because I'm not going to get some of my centre-backs caught on the ball. I mean, Vinnie Company was so, you know, uncomfortable last week with it. You see a square ball going across him and he's like, what am I meant to do? Mm. So, Pep, if he's given time and he can get the personnel right, he'll have a great team and City can be champions in the next year or two. I'm not sure they'll win it this year, but they're a very, very good Premier League team. But they're not in the same league as Barcelona. Mm. Barcelona without uh, Iniesta. Mm. Uh, Rafinha played against Granada, yeah. you know, Watford reserves, basically. Yeah. Scored the goal. How will they deal with it? They, they've got a history of really replacing their top players almost seamlessly. If you look at Xavi, for instance, you know, Rakitic has come in there. Yeah, what a player he is as well, by the yeah. way. But I, I mean, it's the, the great thing that, uh, I mean, you never do fully replace uh, a Xavi or an Iniesta, do mm. you? But, you know, you do it to the best of your ability. And in Rakitic, they, they have mm. done very, very well. And it's helped that Iniesta has been in and around him as well to help him settle in the team. I mean, Rafinha is clearly, a, you know, he's, he's clearly got the same genes as his dad and his brother, as you would, yeah. as you would explain. He's got his the same footballing Bayern, talent. Is, sorry, his, his brother's at Bayern, isn't That's he? right, yeah. His dad uh, was in the World Cup winning yeah. squad for Brazil in 1994. I think his mum, does his mum play? professional sport as well so clearly a sporting yeah. family I mean he's, he's a very exciting prospect um, acrobatic goal at the weekend so yeah if you can't get it right in terms of replacing Xavi and Iniesta as well as I say you'll never get that level but it's not like they've not had years to prepare for this have they those two have been the mainstays of that team for a decade so you know you always know at some point their legs are going to go so even if you're spending the last three years bringing someone through then and come the, on and get that it whole right. thing Tom that was set up by Johan Cruyff from around 1990. <laughs> that, that whole, the way to play, how they were taught yeah. as kids. You know, it's no good just parachuting Pepin. You know, I've got a great respect for what he's done, but you can't expect Manchester City in his first year that suddenly everybody gets, you know, that, oh, we're switched on to that. Yeah. There's going to have to be so much work through the club and all the kids that eventually get in, as they hope to see, can play that way but it's work in progress it's not a oh and this week we'll show we're the best in Europe what, what I liked about Rafinha there was a moment earlier in the season when him and Neymar it was almost they had a huge row in the, the middle of the park there in front of all the cameras and he, he was joking afterwards saying look even if we'd punched each other we're great mates it, you know mm. these things happen in football but what I liked about that was this is a 23 year old lad saying do you know what I don't care about 
the egos or the size of a player. Yeah. I'm in this team now and I'm going to make my mark on it. So it did just show, I thought, that, that he'd got the mentality to be a Barcelona star. Mm. Barcelona in town, always a <coughs> huge buzz. Mm. Is this the week then that Manchester United feel like the little boy with his nose pressed against the sweet shop window? I think there's two things that will concern Manchester United and their fans this week. One is... You've seen things like the Barcelona game and well, we've no Champions League and that's what they've been used to for so many years. You're right. And the other thing is, have a look at a league table because as you're seeing that now as we're going into an international break after the weekend, the top six have got a three-point gap on the next block of teams. Mm. And in that middle section, you've got those, what we would deem to be middle section teams with respect the to Watford. Yeah. But you have got those middle section teams, Watford... Bournemouth, Southampton and, of course, Manchester United, which is not where they'd expect to be. Now, you could make a case, are those top six, with Everton now hitting six and looking a pretty decent team, he's got a great 11, and not a great squad, are they the ones who are going to break away now? Now, if I was Manchester United, particularly with the lack of goals, that's what would get me, I'd be saying... We're not in the Champions League. City have got Barca. If City could pull something off spectacular, it would be a great feather in their cap. Mm. But also, look at that league table. You don't want that gap to open up anymore. Mm. Ibrahimovic, one goal in ten games. That wasn't in the script, was it? Yeah, you can. I mean, you can flip that and say six in fifteen. Which you know, when you bring in a player, in a thirty-five-year-old player into the Premier League, not the worst return. Obviously, not brilliant. But um, I feel a bit for. Well, I don't feel for Ibrahimovic, but I, I have a certain degree of empathy with him that. You know, he started like a train, didn't he? You know, hit the ground running, particularly given the fact that we all questioned over the years whether he was as great as everyone said. We all wondered whether he would ever mm. be able to do it in the Premier League. And he came in and it was almost the opposite of Paul Pogba, who clearly will be a fantastic signing for Manchester United. But he may need six months. He may need a season to, to bed back in. Of course, there are everyone, or so many people say, look, it's £89 million spent on a player. He should hit the ground running. But it doesn't work like that. You know, you either hit the ground running and then have a bit of a lull, which is what Ibrahimovic seems to do, or you build and you build and you build, and then all of a sudden you find you're, you're up and you're flowing and you're playing confident football in January. So I, I think Ibrahimovic, I, I think it's like Manchester City. Look, City started the season in incredible form. And I remember mm. the last time we sat here saying, look, there will be a blip. Every team will suffer a blip, unless you're a Leicester or an Arsenal's Invincibles, but every team will suffer a blip. It's come for Manchester City. They've ridden it out. The, the result of the weekend would suggest they're building again. Ibrahimovic, I mean, crikey, if it wasn't for that save by Tom Heaton, an incredible save at the weekend, he would have scored one of the goals that we'd be saying was one of the goals of the season. So it's just that little bit of luck needs to change for him again, and he'll, that, that will come back for a player I, I, of his it quality. It seems that, David, we talk about Jose every week. Mm. Has he lost the plot here? Because you know, we've now got yet another FA charge mm. being directed at him. Yeah. He's becoming the story. They're only, they're, but they're only five points off. Yeah. Off that top block, aren't they? Mm. This is two wins and and, they're, you know, and a couple of defeats. But there is a real top. air of unease and unrest. Yeah, when, when, when you think of first time round at Chelsea, him going in there... The impact he had, how they were off and running. I think the first game was Man United and they beat them at the bridge. And, and the run, and you know, they, they won the league. And you thought, gosh, this handsome young guy who's coming with this with these new ideas. The players really bought into it. A couple of great signings. I mean, Carvalho was a brilliant hmm. central defender with Terry in that team. But that sort of 
I don't know what you've got. The aura, the aura yeah. of Mourinho, this, mm. this brilliant young coach from the, the Porto and even that first year. And then when it became into, you know, the, the disciplinary side of hiding in skips to get into a dressing room mm. and he's bound and all. And you just go, you don't, you know, it's wrong, you don't do it sort of thing. Now. Oh, I didn't. I, I looked at the other way. That sounds uh, brilliant. That, that's inspirational. <laughs> well, man. well, then, say he gets found out, he goes and gets banned for a year or whatever, you know, that's yeah. why. But my point on this one is clear. I was having a look through the other day at some of the greatest managerial records that we've seen in the modern era. A certain Alex Ferguson apart, because he is freakishly unique, so we're just parking that. If you look at those managers, how many of them, at their pomp, it lasted between 10 and 12 years. Mm. Even Bill Shankly mm. was a 12-year at Liverpool, so he'd done all this groundwork and been a decent manager, but he's Liverpool... Don Revy at Leeds, 12 years of greatness of building a club and winning things. Now, my point being, if you look at Mourinho from his Porto days, he is now around the 12-year mark, and a simple fact is, do people tire of that way? And are we seeing somebody who has actually seen his best days? Well, another 12-year, Rich. If we say that Wayne Rooney came on the scene at sort of 17, mm. 18, he's now... Well, 16, Mike, it was well, early. Yeah, it's true, it was wasn't early. it? Yeah. yeah. Well, OK, a 14-year, 14-year, Rich. Yeah. Talk of him going back to Everton. Is that realistic? Um, my initial reaction to that story was yes, I could see that happening. But then when you really start to consider it, you just wonder whether... I heard people saying yesterday that it's almost a bit of a slap in the teeth for or a slap in the face for Everton, that if he's not good enough for Manchester United, given the amount of money Everton have got to spend at the moment and where they see themselves, then is Wayne Rooney really going to get into their side? Now, he might be a talismanic figure in and around the dressing room, around the training ground and, and be very good for the younger pros to work off, but I, I fully bought into this idea that it wouldn't be a good fit. And that's even before you start looking at the salary and the wages and the mm. bonuses and the image rights and everything thing like that that you know three hundred thousand pounds a week he's on it yeah Manchester but they United. don't have to pay him that tom who doesn't everton well yeah but will he will he accept well hundred thousand pounds a week or well hang on simple way he's got 18 months to go at manchester united right yeah on his current contract let's say yeah and another year no no it's option. 18 months to go oh yeah but manchester united aren't going to take up that option the way things are looking so he's got 18 months to go and he's on £300,000 a week. If he gets to the end of the season, say, there's £15 million in wages on his contract. There's nothing to stop Man United saying to him, as other clubs have done, we'll let you go, we accept, we're going to have to sub you because we've got this, mm. you can yeah. sit tight here. Yeah, yeah. So Everton say, well, the most we can pay is £100,000 yeah, only. But mm. that, and then Manchester United end up subbing I, it. I, so I, they I get still, and there, I, will, I just, there will be a deal done because... Everton need to, uh, yeah, to move course, on forward. But, but I still think the and States is a better... A well, better the same deal. That, I mean, by the way, that's the way Wayne Rooney can go to China, America, whatever, if Manchester United decide well, they can don't go want to, him. He can go to China, whatever, can't he? Because mm. they can match whatever wage. Now, if it's the MLS, wages would be more of an issue there. But the image rights deals he would sign and the commercial enterprises he would be involved with if he went to an LA Galaxy or, or uh, New York Rebels or I wouldn't say New York City then you know they are the, the potential earning power there is huge so I just think as romantic as the Everton idea is I just don't see it quite working out for the two parties. Let's look at the practical side of it very quickly mm. they're at Chelsea Everton are at Chelsea in the, in the other BT Sport game mm. this weekend terrific game mm. Ronald Koeman you, you look at Conte. Conte is managing with what he's got mm. really well. Mm. 
Koeman, will he have as big an impact at Everton as David Moyes? Yes, I think Koeman can take them to a different level. Well, certainly be a top four club. Don't say this season. I think that's the progress he can make with the backing and with his Steve Walsh there finding the players who was at Leicester. I think Everton can beat major players over the next few years with Koeman's coaching. As I mentioned earlier, I think the big challenge for Everton isn't the first 11 he can put out, who he can organise and have deal at playing different systems. I think the problem Everton have got is what's beyond that mm. 11 or 12. That's where they are not in the same league as really the five above them at the moment. OK, and, and on David Moyes as a final point, Tom, if they lose, if Sunderland lose at Bournemouth, is he toast? I just... <sighs> Potentially, yeah, but I just don't see where they go. For me, it's not a problem with the manager, it's a problem with the club. Uh, you know, this doesn't happen year after year after year without there being something toxic about that football club. So, yes, they might get rid of David Moyes. They may even go after Sam Allardyce, although that, that seems to be a bit of distance growing between them, given the fact that he was so quick to leave in the summer. So, yes, there's a, every chance that David Moyes goes and probably you'd argue he deserves it. But I even think whoever they bring in next is going to struggle as well. So, problems all around for Sunderland. Well, what about Big Sam to the rescue during the international break? Not sure he'd love it, but we would. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.